Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Sustainable finance is touted as the future of the Islamic finance industry. But how has the asset class fared so far? What innovation are we seeing in this space? Which markets are leading? My name is Vinita Tatan, the Managing Editor of Islamic Finance News. And in today's episode, we speak to Bashar al-Natur, the Global Head of Islamic Finance at Fitch Ratings, to canvas the global Islamic sustainable finance landscape. Thank you, Basha, for joining us today. It's indeed great to have you here. So today we're going to talk about sustainable investment. Uh, today we have actually seen this great global shift towards sustainable investment. Uh, tell us, how does Islamic finance fit into this narrative? Thank you very much for having me. And I think you're really starting um, in, in the right place. How does it really fit? I like to think of Islamic finance as actually an, 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 an older version of the ethical, uh, social uh, side of financing in general that started almost 40, 50 years back. Uh, in its own way for its own audience uh, because at the end of the day Islamic finance is actually based on principles and beliefs that are from Sharia and many of these are not actually in just in financial in terms but many of them are what is really good for society and what is really avoiding harm and that's a key principle in Islamic finance that fits with a lot of other principles in the, the whole bigger picture of uh, ethical, social, responsible, or, 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 or all of that dimension in many cases. And I think that's a good point of that. But if we look at the adoption of ESG in its new form, I would say Islamic finance uh, started looking into environmental, into green, into transition uh, uh, in a closer way just very, very recently. So we, we've seen the industry trying to adopt and, 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 and trying to ride on that wagon, but just in the past three to four years. And I think we can elaborate more on that uh, in, in, in the other question. Okay, so Basha, as you mentioned, there's this, uh, is, is, is what you're explaining, how I understand it, is that there's this natural confluence between Islamic finance and the sustainable investment, yet it's only quite recent that we're looking at this ESG component. What has taken so long for us to sort of, quote unquote, jump onto this bandwagon? And would you be able to provide us with any uh, statistics as to how the current landscape is looking? Yes, yes. Uh, excellent. I, I think uh, why it, it, it's late, because I think the realization of the potential uh, of having Islamic plus sustainable is recent. Why is that? Because you, I mean, forget Islamic finance, but let's look at where Islamic finance is active. And in these countries, the actual whole sustainable green uh, push in general, Islamic or conventional, is still at an early stage. So it is. It is to do more in where Islamic finance is active rather to do with Islamic finance itself. But what we've seen is that when there, 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 there was a start of these initiatives, 
many of the stakeholders of the Islamic finance industry started to, to, to see an opportunity where they can actually widen the audience of Islamic finance rather than being the, the, just the Sharia uh, sensitive investors or the regional investor. And it, the trust started looking at it, it could be more appealing to the wider global investor by adding the dimension of ethical, sustainable, green, etc., etc., etc. And that is something that we've seen, I would say, just in the past three years in terms of numbers. And I think that this is also a very interesting point. In, in, in 2000, in 2020, and it was a difficult year because of COVID, we saw around five point, more than 5.5 billion US dollar issuance of uh, sustainable related uh, sukuk. In this year, in the first three quarter, we already superseded that and we're looking at around 6.9 or something around that. So, and in the years before that, also it, the trend is similar, i.e. it's almost increasing steadily there. But, if I look at how much is totally issued since 2017, it's just less of 20 billion US dollar, which is small compared to the size of the Sukuk market, global Sukuk market, which is around 800 billion currently. So in terms of actual size, it is still tiny, it is growing, but it's still a small representation of the bigger pie when it comes to Sukuk. And a similar story, the Sukuk representation of the ESG, conventional and, and Islamic, globally, again, it, it is something with around 2%. So it continues to be a small part of both the Sukuk and the bigger picture of the conventional green and sustainable, but it's a growth story. Maybe to give you more uh, color, if I look at our rated portfolio, which is more than 130 billion US dollar outstanding, more than 10% of that has some element of sustainable transition and green, which shows that the direction is, and, and, and the majority of that is actually a US dollar issuance, which shows that when you have a US dollar issuance, you're more likely to see green and sustainable rather than uh, local. The exception continues to be Malaysia, because total number of issuances of sustainable green related sukuk is around 170 something and almost 150 of these issuances came from Malaysia. Other than that, I think the initiatives are scattered around. Uh, you have some in, in Indonesia, you have some in the UAE, you have some in Saudi Arabia, but it's not yet to the extent of having that big number of issuances or financing coming out of one country. So it seems that Malaysia is sort of bucking the trend. Why is it different? What's what's the difference in profile or strategy? Okay, again, an excellent question. Now, Malaysia is a newcomer to sustainable when it comes to the international arena, where we saw the Malaysian government just coming very recently. However, if you look at its local market, that has been the case for some time. And why is that? Because there has been a realization of the importance of that segment in the country some time ago. And there has been strategies to promote the social side of it and the sustainable side of it, in addition to, to, to a, 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 a push for value-based uh, Islamic finance, which is maqasad al-sharia, the, 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 what is the intention of it. And that push came earlier than other countries. This is not unique because Malaysia has the most evolved framework and infrastructure when it comes to Sukuk and Islamic finance, but it's in a local level. So, and then this is a very important point. Yes, it's the most evolved. Yes, it has a very vibrant issuance, 
But in terms of size, compared to the bigger industry, it continues to be small. And in terms of the story, it continues to be a local story in its in its majority. You have exceptions where actually it went out of the way to the international market, but it is more directed towards the internal uh, uh, market rather than external. And that's a key differentiation. We have Indonesia, for example, they started venturing into the green sovereign sukuk and they were the first sovereign to issue a green sukuk in 2018 and they continued after that. And you can see there, that sukuk is actually an international story. And recently, they're having more initiatives on the local side. So the stories varies from one country to, an, uh, to another. Other countries in the GCC, there are a lot of initiatives and a lot of pushes here and there, but still, I would say, at an early stage compared to the more developed uh, countries when it comes to the topic of sustainability. Right. And you mentioned about this segment being still being a small or just minor entire Islamic finance industry. I want to circle back to that. But before that, is just the fact that issuers want to expand their investor base, is that the primary driver for Islamic sustainable finance? I mean, as an investor, is there what is attractive about this instrument? And also, is there in terms of returns, is it justifiable? I think you are really going to the heart of the, the, the matter when it comes to issuers and investors. And let me start with the region. So regional issuers, we don't have a lot of them that has very focused, uh, dedicated, sustainable, green, environmental, transitional strategies. Thus, the main advantage or incentive for them to enter into the market is actually to widen the investor base. And that's an important point. And if I look at the other side of the equation, the regional investors also do not have that strong mandate. And this is something that is important. So why do we see issuances then in the international market? The reason is, as you said in your question, it is actually to attract a wider investor base from the international market rather in the regional or local market because we don't have dedicated uh, significant size of the industry doing that. However, there is an actual start of a change where regulators uh, um, in their capacity as listing uh, listing regulators or governments themselves, they're putting more and more emphasis around that segment in the market, which could actually be an additional incentive other than attracting the international investor. Then you have a regulatory push towards that and a regulatory strategy towards that, which could help the industry from a top-down approach, which is very important, I think. Okay, so again, going back to the size of the market, which is still tiny, fair enough, because it's relatively new, but in terms of challenges, what are the challenges sort of uh, pulling back, or pushing the industry back from advancing? The, the, the f first, The first challenge is actually awareness. And awareness is across the board. So whether you're looking at uh, uh, investors, issuers, and even in some cases, regulators, the actual level of awareness, although we're seeing that really significantly improving, is still at a low level. And I think that is a key challenge. Now, after that, you need to have the right ecosystem that supports the industry and this specific sector with Islamic finance to grow and go further and, and, and expand. And that is an additional cornerstone to the development of the industry. So first awareness, 
then realization of putting strategies and regulations and frameworks to improve that, and then installing that in the system and having an ecosystem and incentivize issuers and investors to say, okay, why should I enter into this? And each of them needs to assess what is the reason for them pursuing that, whether it's a customer push, which, whether it's an employee push, which, whether it's a regulatory push, whether it's an, a strategy within that uh, specific issuer. So the, the actual drivers varies, but you need at least to have a top-down approach and an ecosystem that allows you to go into that and then venture into this. What we've seen in the past few years, when the choice came to the region and regional issuers, we saw that in the top 10 countries, almost 60% of issuance of uh, green sustainable related issuance were in a Sukuk format and 40% were in a, in a conventional. So the choice was more on the Sukuk side when it comes to that. And again, the incentive was there. If you see and look more into it, it's to have a wider investor base from the international market. Is that going to change? I think we're seeing a lot of pushes here and there, as I said, in regulatory and otherwhere. When are we going to see a significant uh, uh, dedicated issuers for sustainability and dedicated investor for sustainability on local and regional level? I think that is still a medium to long term uh, story rather than a short term uh, story. OK, so. You've mentioned Indonesia, you've mentioned Malaysia. What are some of the most exciting markets when it comes to Islamic sustainable finance? Okay, I mean, yeah, we've talked about Malaysia, we've talked about Indonesia, but we have also a push from the UAE. We have a push recently from Saudi Arabia, and we have a push from even Oman. But they are still, I would say, at an earlier stage. And so the issuance that we've seen coming from the UAE when it comes to Islamic finance, it came from more on of the corporate side of the equation rather than the sovereign side of the equation. If you look at Saudi Arabia, also recently we, we started hearing a, a, a governmental uh, view on that topic and, and more discussion into that. But what we've seen so far, the likes of IDB, although multilateral, they, they've, they've started that. We saw uh, Saudi electricity issuing. It, as you can see, it's a fragmented story. So uh, it, it's not like really, okay, you have a wave of, of issuance coming. But it's, an, it's a fragmented story that has an international uh, dimension to it, rather than Malaysia, which has a local dimension to it. And I think Indonesia is trying to move in both directions, but they started first also on the international arena. So these in the OIC countries in general, there is a lot of interest, I would say. There is a lot of talk about this, but the concrete steps towards having this as a significant part of the finance industry first, and then the Islamic finance industry is not yet visible. Okay, and on that note about concrete steps, you also mentioned earlier, elaborated earlier, about the need for a strategic direction, a top-down approach. Is there anything that we can learn from the conventional space? I think the industry has a lot to show for itself, i.e. there is a lot within the industry that can be shown on the social and ethical side. So, for, for example, zakat and sadaqa and, 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 and having um, uh, waqf, all of these are things that are directly linked to social and ethical, but the industry did not yet manage to fully first capture it and then package it in a way that will attract and show how, how that side of the industry. Now, 
what they can learn from the conventional industry is really vast when it comes to green, to environmental, the way that the frameworks that are happening, and even some standardization that is happening in, in, in that universe, but still fragmented, but there is a lot that you can build on and see inside your industry what is common and capitalize on that. So I think the starting point is to understand and be aware of what is the conventional is doing. Then look at your industry, see where you can capitalize on the things that you already have, and then develop the things that you don't have. Absolutely. We need to talk about, or I want to talk about COP26. Now, COP26 is not without its criticism, but at the end of the day, it is a very or most important avenue for global leaders in driving the sustainability agenda. What are your thoughts on this year's summit or outcome? And do you think this will influence the Islamic sustainability agenda in any ways? I think that's a very relevant question. And, and I'll start with the bigger picture. If you look at the OIC countries, which is 55 countries plus, the actual size of that industry and the sustainable side of it and the initiatives of that compared to its size and potential continues to be small. However, what we've seen during the, this time, a lot of government announced strategies, allowed frameworks, allowed targets. And I would say some of them is really impressive, but some of them are ambitious. So at the end of the day, I think we, we've seen a lot of announcement and movement coming from governments in the region uh, and, and also in the wider OIC con uh, countries where you have Islamic finance elements and, and Islamic finance in various stages, being more vocal about it, being more, I would say, um, uh, eloquently putting it in a strategy or as a milestone or as a target. And that's all is important. But what is more important is to see the progress towards these targets and strategies and how much is there is a take from it from the, 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 the top down, i.e. the sovereign, and then how is it trickling down to the private sector and the wider sector in general. Okay, Barsha, so what is Fitch's um, market outlook and projections for the sustainable and Islamic investment sector for, the, say, the next you know, 12 to 18 months? Uh, I think the, the growth trend that we've seen in the past three to four years will continue. It will continue at the back of also the growth story of capital market development in general of Islamic finance and sukuk and also syndications, bilateral and government pushes. So the trend is actually a growth trend. And I think uh, that has been already cemented in the past three years. Even in, in, in the height of COVID-19, we saw, we saw that segment growing. So 2020, 2021, I think it was a growth trend and the trend is going to continue in the short to medium uh, term at least. And if the government's strategies and milestones and objectives are really pursued uh, in a very uh, dedicated way, we could see a more transformation of this segment, even in the long term where it becomes a significant part of the industry. Excellent. Thank you so much, Barsha, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.